Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 393 with D Deng of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hey, Founder Fam, hope you're doing well. Welcome back to another episode. Today we've got D Deng, and he believes that there's no better time to start a digital agency than now. And after a failed startup sent him down on a journey of discovery, D met his future co-founder in a Neil Patel Facebook group, and together they launched Red Hook, which is a digital marketing agency. Now, they partner with e-commerce brands, and they do all sorts of really cool, interesting things when it comes to scaling brands. Now, D and his co-founder have scaled their agency super fast, and he's taken Red Hook from zero to $250,000 a month in like 14 months. And now they have over 115 employees across the globe. He's been doing this for a few years and it's growing super fast. So if you run a service-based business, a digital marketing agency or consultancy business, D is an incredible person to learn from if you wanna learn how to build an agency. All right, guys, please welcome D Dang. So the first question I ask everyone that comes on is, how did you get your job, aka how did you find yourself doing the work you're doing today? Well, oh boy, do we have 45 minutes just to talk about this part? Uh, it's it's an interesting story. It's very serendipitous. Um, my first venture was a tech startup uh, that failed horribly. Tried raising out of that startup, learned a lot of lessons, got to meet Guy Kawasaki in person, got to pitch him and his VC partner in um, San Francisco, 
but um, took a lot of lessons from that. And when it failed, I was kind of lost in the world, didn't know what to do. Um, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm trained and cut my teeth as a video producer, had a video production company. I had zero business experience whatsoever, zero agency experience whatsoever, but ran ads under, because of my startup understood uh, growth marketing in a very real way because it was my own money and my own savings because we were all, I, I was essentially bootstrapped. Um, I met my co-founder uh, in a Neil Patel forum on Facebook, like a Facebook group. Uh, and yeah, and the moderator says, you know, it's one of those group, uh, group engagement posts. Everyone post where you're from. You might find a friend in your neighborhood. Uh, and this guy, this dude goes, hey, I'm on the Gold Coast. And I'm like, ah, oh, I've seen this guy before. He's posted a few smart things about cohort analysis, CLTV. I've, I've noticed him before, never knew he was on the Gold Coast. Hey, do you want to meet up for Korean fried chicken? There's this joint on the Gold Coast. Um, I drove down, met up for Korean fried chicken. Uh, we both were in our like early to mid thirties, chip on our shoulder, looking at all these 20 year olds crushing. And we we're like, man, we've achieved nothing um, to, that, that, you know, we can call something, but also at the same time been burned by other previous ventures and trying to get business partners together. So really hesitant to jump into business together with someone who's a, pretty much an absolute stranger. Um, so we, we said, let's see if this agency thing might work out. Um, you, you handled the ad, Scott, I'll handle the, the closing and the talking to clients and let's just divvy it up that way. Let's not over architect this. If we can close six in the next six weeks of clients, we'll see if we should put pen to paper. Uh, within six weeks, I think we had like 10 closes or something like that. I'm like, oh boy, here we are, we're in trouble. Now this is real. We've got clients we have to answer to now. Uh, and that was Ju July of 20, uh, July 3rd, 2017. We finally signed the papers. We were a team of three, two of us and Beck, who back then was an intern with us. Now she's our head of operations. And now we've got 115 people. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There you go. So right hook, what, what do you guys specialize in your agency? Right. We, great question. And it was a question that we had to pose ourselves for the longest time. You hear things like specialize, niche down, don't be everything to everyone. And then on the other side, you hear things like don't special, over specialize because that platform might disappear tomorrow and you're up like shit creek. So um, we first started off as strictly a Facebook uh, advertising agency for e-commerce. And in fact, when we first started, we were like, we were a Facebook advertising agency for anyone who was willing to pay us. Let's put it that way. And then it's, we, and then we went, this is way too much trouble. We don't have any SOPs because we're, we're catering to everyone. We, you know, it's almost like you're trying to build a restaurant with for Italian food, for Chinese food and for French food. It doesn't work that way. Um, so we, we we then eventually streamlined, and now what we do is we really look at ourselves as growth partners for e-commerce D2C brands. Uh, I say that now because of the evolution where we started off, found a point of penetration with performance marketing via, via Facebook and Instagram ads. We now have a social arm where it is Snapchat, Pinterest, TikTok. Uh, we have a Google team, an email team, and very proud to announce, I don't know if I'm allowed to announce this, but we have an influencer team now as well 
Um, so it's really congealing all those things together so that when we work with a D2C brand, it's not siloed efforts, but more conjoined synthesis and an orchestrated effort. For those that are not uh, familiar with like, how, how do you define a, a digital agency? Because a lot of people want to start digital agencies just for context. Yeah, that's a that's also, I think, it's one of those things where, where like the, the market and the industry kind of took it and ran with it in all different kinds of directions. And it is a very broad term. Um, you know, a digital agency can be a design shop. It can be a web dev shop and it can be what we do. I mean, very, by and large digital as well, I guess to put some schema around it and put some categorization around it uh, with, with the digital marketing agency. And there are a lot of principles that overlap, but uh, the, the similarities when it comes to digital marketing, at least when you start talking in that corner, pardon me, it tends to be more ongoing retainer based. So your, your, your clientele, you want to date for the long term and ideally marry, as opposed to project based, where if you come to us, there's a scope of work, let's finish your website, let's move on and find new business. So it's, a, it's dramatically different models that then business models, client retention models, which then dictates your sales cycles, how you keep your staff, all the other operational flow throughs. So that, I think that definition, very prudent question to ask. Mm, got you. So uh, for anyone watching, listening, you grew your agency, uh, please correct me if I'm right, um, from zero to $250,000 a month in, in revenue in the first year. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes. So um, super impressive, super fast growth. Uh, you said you got you guys got 10 clients in the first you know couple of months, six weeks. Um, for anyone watching, like, what, what, what do people need to know to get your first client? I think it's uh, specifically what to know to get your first client. It all comes down to um, who's a really great person to, for just so that they can listen to this or watch this and, and go away and actually do something with it or, or continue their path. Uh, I think a great resource could be someone like, say, Chris Voss, author of Never Split the Difference, for example. Um, great negotiation book. Uh, and it all comes down to understanding what your counterpart, the other person on the other side of the table, wants from you and how you are packaging up what you are selling to meet what they want. Sometimes it, it doesn't, uh, sometimes you have to massage it a little bit to manage the expectation because you ask anyone what they want, they'll tell you, I want everything and pay nothing which then some people kind of you know, relent to that and actually fall to that pressure and go really cheap, which kind of screws them in a lot of ways too, but, but I need the business. So um, to put it in a nutshell, that's all it comes down to. What is your client? Who is your clientele, first and foremost? Who's your ideal clientele? What do you want from them? And in exchange, what would they want from you? Now, if those two worlds can overlap and match and then click together, I'm oversimplifying here. Um, that is the first best place to start. What about kind of the outreach process, the identification process, the prospecting process? Like, like how, how, did, how does that work? How did, you, how did you guys find your first six clients and what, mm. what did that prospecting look like? Absolutely. Um, I like to, uh, it's, a, it's a nice rhymey kind of term, so I, I use it a lot. When Scott and I first started, we had no network, no framework, right? We were nobodies in the scene. We weren't like ex Canva, ex Google, ex someone with a name and to pull people over. We were nobodies in the scene. Nobody knew us, no public speaking. 
not a single publication to our name. Um, so we, I, I, I like to think in concentric circles when it comes to uh, asking people for things. In other words, the closer you are to me and the longer you've known me, the more likely you're likely to say yes, the more likely you are to say yes. So just looked, Scott and I looked within our immediate network to say, hey, who are the people that we know that are likely to take a, like literally just take a bet on us and just allow us to run their ads um, and give them some results at no charge whatsoever. They just pay for the ad spend just so that we can get some runs on the board first and foremost. Um, not many takers, <laughs> admittedly, not many takers, right? Uh, and then what we then went was go was go okay well what what's the problem here oh wait maybe they're not valuing us because we're not charging so let's charge that changed everything so ironically we gave it that offered it for free to the circles around us no one wanted it put money behind it people were like oh these guys value themselves now maybe i should take them more seriously that's when things started ticking through took a few on had a few runs on the board uh and then immediately as quickly as possible switched to running ads so that we could have inbound as well as outreach. And then eventually the inbound took over so much that I was running, I was, you know, literally chained to my desk because I had five to seven hour long discovery calls a day. Yeah, wow. So how, how, how come you had so many, how much inbound? Because of those ads, because we decided we're going to put budget aside uh, and kind of chew up the, um, chew up the, from the war chest, allocate money to running ads, building a bit of notoriety, funneling people to a landing page, asking them, you know, questions to figure out whether they are uh, good fits or not. And quite honestly, at the very early days, the, the questionnaire was pretty much, do you have two pennies to rub together and give someone else? Yes. Okay, come on, like, talk to me, right? Um, but uh, it, was, it was because we knew the power of ads because we were running ads ourselves. So we wanted to eat our own dog food. So for anyone watching this, they have a skill, let's just say they're a graphic designer, um, they've been working at a startup or working at a company, um, and they want to start their own agency, they want to go out, get clients, the first place that you would start would be with your network, don't, maybe offer for free or, or not, or, or, or do, would you do services for free still, or, or you charge for it, but maybe at a super discounted rate, and then off you go. Essentially, get some runs on the board, whichever way that you can, so that you can prove your worth to the market as quickly as possible. So whether it is uh, doing it for free in exchange for a testimonial, whether it is, uh, you know, for our, in, in my instance, it was because we were, I felt like we were banging our heads against the wall with this whole free thing that we decided to pivot to charging people for it. But in certain other instances, it all comes down to um, some people might find more traction if they were offering for free, because it might be project work and it's a you know a, a very tangible thing like a website. You can see that, you can touch that, you can feel that. Whereas with Facebook ads, it's a bit more of a protracted engagement. Yeah, got you. And so, at what point in time did you focus, or did you in the early days focus at all on thought leadership? Or, or getting your guys, getting you guys known, nothing, no, not at all. Uh, in the in the earliest days, we wanted to make sure that we um, could feed ourselves first. Um, you know, and that's hence the hesitancy around whether we can actually bring money in. Uh, the thought leadership piece came a bit later, um, and it wasn't very intentional. 
by way of yes, thought leadership, follow through the um, the the conventional wisdom of publish LinkedIn articles and content marketing and try to speak at conferences. I got very, very lucky. I just happened to join some Facebook groups that gave me a lot of value run by people that I respected a lot. And I just thought, hey, I have some thoughts to share here. Maybe I should start sharing my thoughts and being an active contributor to this group that's given me so much. Um, and it just eventuated. It wasn't a very hard intentional, I'm going to speak on stage. It was more uh, getting identified. And I still I screenshotted the moments when some of these people that I thought were like, oh, my God, these guys are gurus and really top of their game. I still have screenshots of when they said, um, when one, one group owner saw me posting in another group and they texted me or Facebook messaged me and said, hey, I saw you posting in the other group. Why the hell didn't you post in my group? I'm like, uh, I don't know. I didn't want to ask permission or seem like I was trying to big note myself in your group. I'm a nobody there. They're like, dude, paste post into my group. In fact, come speak at my thing. And that's how it, so a lot, you know, I got very lucky. A lot of people gave me breaks um, in, my, in my career or in my coming up to, uh, in this game. Uh, you know, shout out to um, those people because they, they were really the ones that gave me the courage or, or validated that I should be doing this. Yeah, I see. And I'm curious around your why. Um, I get like, you know, I get you know, money's nice or all that kind of thing. But, um, you know, what, like, what, what is your why? Yeah, I love that question. Um, I, my why has changed multiple times throughout my life uh, uh, or, or even throughout my life owning Right Hook. Um, or being a co-founder of Right Hook, it, it, at, at the very beginning, it was money. I mean, we were, um, you know, I, because of my previous startup and, and, and this, you know, you hear those stories, right? Or you read the articles that give you advice, like um, keep pushing on your startup until when, when you think it's going to fail, you got to keep pushing. That's when you hear all these stories of other founders that went absolutely crazy Airbnb, those guys were sleeping on mattresses and eating cereal every day. You should do the same. And I mean, I found myself uh, before I started Right Hook, I found myself with like less than 200 bucks in my bank account. Uh, it was a scary time for me. And I'm a married man and I got a stepkid. And, and, and I still vividly remember that moment when I, a big bill got pulled out of my direct debit out of my bank account and notification came up and I looked at my phone, my banking app, and I'm like, oh shit, I'm up shit creek. Um, do I tell my, we were watching TV. I looked to my left and I'm like, do I tell them? Do I not tell them? I never told them. I don't even know if they know. I tell them, I tell the story to these things, but I don't know if my wife watches them. So I don't know if I've, like, I've never sat them down and told them. Uh, so it started off with money and really needing to, to make the bills, pay rent and all that. Uh, now as time is evolving, my why has dramatically changed and the weight of, knowing that I have 115 people that whose every two weeks bank accounts need that money uh, weighs heavily on me. You know, my why is now, what can I do as the leader of this organization to better the lives of the people that come under my care and the people that come under theirs, which in, in other words, um, I mean, I think Simon Sinek said this well, right? Your, if you ask any CEO, who are your customers? Uh, most CEOs would say my customers are the people that buy my products. And Simon Sinek begs to differ and he goes, no, your customers are your people. Your customers, those customers that buy your products, that's their customers. 
So the, the best, the highest leverage place I can spend my energy, my focus uh, is to impact the lives, the knowledge, the wisdom, the know-how of my people. And then as a flow on effect to that, they are smarter, wiser, faster, more capable to deliver the services to our customer customers. Yeah, I love that. Um, thank you for sharing, man. So talk to us about like why you believe like now is, is a really good time to start a digital agency if anyone's thinking about it. First and foremost, no time is better than now. I've learned that the hard way. Uh, you know, when you get in your head, um and ah, uh, should I, shouldn't I, six years go by, a year, you know, six months go by, a year goes by, 18 months go by, and you're looking for that perfect everything to align. It never aligns. You make it align, right? Um, next of all, it, it's we're moving into an age really where where things are, are, are society is moving in a very interesting kind of way right now. You have a bunch of influencers that have a great audience, for example, one instance, you have a bunch of, of people that are learning how to be influencers, let's put it that way, on TikTok, on Instagram, on YouTube. And that's not going to stop. It's only going to become more. But they have no idea how to monetize any of their attention whatsoever. Now, that is a brand new market that no one is tapping or, or blue ocean. There are a few players tapping it, but not to the extent that it's completely tapped out. In fact, it's, it's ripe, ripe for the taking. That's one area there. Another area is the fact that everything is the anyone that is able to provide value in non-tactical ways, non-manual ways. In other words, sit down with me uh, because of my brain, I can make your company more money, look sexier, improve your brand, et cetera that that is a valuable valuable skill that one no one can take away from you but then also two people are willing to pay a lot of money for um as opposed to you know manual labor right when we know that that is going to get automated and phased out of the way so in a lot and, and by the way technology is absolutely nuts my team is fully remote fully fully remote um we straddle across i think seven different time zones uh and you know the technology is allowing us to have a lot of cohesion uh, and, and maintain culture in a world where I still have pals. Remember when COVID hit and um, there were all these LinkedIn webinars on like how to maintain culture in a remote world. And I'm like, guys, what are, what, what are we doing here? Like this is 2021, 2020. Like it's not a new thing. Uh, and I have friends asking me like, how do you do it, man? Like, and uh, technology it allows us to do these things. So no time better than now and all the the environment is ripe for it. Mm, yeah, look, I agree 110%. Um, I guess, you know, COVID has really shaken up some industries, but it's accelerated some others. And, uh, you know, this is one of those industries where a lot of local businesses and a lot of other businesses that perhaps weren't that strong on the online side, they're looking to get help. So this is a, a, a massive, massive market. I'm curious, like, let's talk right hook. Um, talk to us about retention, because I think um, that's something that people don't talk about enough. Like, it's one thing to, to get a client in, but then you've got to deliver time and time again. And I, I know that's something you're really passionate about as well. Mm, absolutely. Thanks for asking that question. I really do appreciate the opportunity to talk about that. 
we know this from almost every great brand that we interface with in our civilian lives, right? Um, great marketing can only take you so far. Uh, cheap sales tactics can only take you so far. But the product itself is the thing that is going to bring people back time and time again or build fans and loyal followers. Uh, I mean, look at the founder brand and how you built that and they, it's so feverish. You look at any social post, people there are engaging and spending their time on there. Uh, however, that being said, uh, that's why, you know, one of your, one of your team members asked me this uh, a couple of calls ago, why, why haven't you done a course on your own or have you thought about it or anything like that? And I go, well, the main reason why is because I look out into the market and there's a lot of focus on, I notice a lot of focus on people talking about closing sales and really heavy on that side, almost at the cost of the other side, which is retention. And that right there is fulfillment, quality of product. Um, we, we, I can probably say that we have a across 12 month average um, retention in the high 90s. Uh, we watched that number very closely. And we know from experience, we've learned that it has nothing, it is not a 100% only the results matter game. We previously thought that it was. Uh, and then we, we it knocked us on the head, how obvious, we're dealing with humans. So there's a relationship component that needs to come into this too. Is, is the strategist that I'm working empathizing with my situation? Or are they giving me more headaches? Are they just saying, listen, I know that you're busy. I need 200 more pieces of creative from you, please. Or I need you to okay all of these things. Here's a checklist. You go read it. Um, are we adding more headache to our clientele or are we taking away headache? And, and that becomes very vital. Uh, and exactly what you said, not enough people talk about it because it's hard to talk about. But then also too, I don't know if a lot of players out there have that part down pat. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode and learning a ton. As you know, in this series, we interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it. However, if you're thinking of starting your own business and you want to hear from some incredible stories from everyday people like you or I who are actually in the trenches, only been building their business for maybe one year or two years, like that are building right now and they're really in the early stages, but they're getting success. You should come and check out our new podcast, From Zero to Founder, hosted by our community manager, Molly Flynn. These are in-the-trenches stories from our very own successful students that have gone through some of our programs, people just like you who are deep within the process of building their very own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow. You can find the From Zero to Founder podcast on all platforms. And remember, it's founder without the E. All right, now let's jump in the show. So what are some of the things that you guys have done to kind of really focus on retention and delivery? Um, and is there anything unique or, or, or powerful that you could share? Because I think, yeah, this is something that's really important. I don't think it's that special or unique or secret or, or you know, like fantastical, so to speak. It goes back down to, to basics more than anything else. And sometimes the basics are the things that we forget the first most fundamentally, which, which is one, we're dealing with humans and two, the more you can empathize with your counterpart, the closer the working relationship gets 
and the better, the more facilitation of conversation. And sometimes it is critical, crucial conversations need to happen that, uh, again, that's a big learning lesson for us. Hopefully our, our viewers and our listeners can take this away. It, it's, it's having to say the hard things that sometimes your client doesn't want to hear. But by saying it, you communicate something very powerful, which is, I have your back. I don't, I don't want to say this. This is hard for me to say. It's hard for me to admit, um, but we need to get this done. Or you're viewing this in the, I believe that we're not looking at this in the right way. Or, hey, how can we solve this together? Again, going back to Chris Voss and every split the difference. How am I supposed to do that? How are we supposed to do this? We have the challenge ahead of us. Let's work on this together as opposed to let me go away, come up with the, all the answers, vomit on you, and then show you almost like justify my existence to you. Already you're a weaker player if you have to justify your existence to the other person as opposed to really treating it like a collaboration. That's why we insist on thinking and training ourselves internally to be growth partners for our clients. We really truly mean that. So this is interesting. How do you scale that? Because as you as you bring on more clients, you know, um, how do you scale that care, um, how do you scale that idea of, of true partnership um, across all different account managers? Yeah, how, how does how's that scaled? With an unrelenting focus on that, and also by balancing the books accordingly. Here's what I mean: We're not a high volume agency. Um, we're not. A, sorry, let me rephrase that. We're not a high volume, low price agency, right? So. While it's easy to talk about, let's do this with the client and spend uh, the, the adequate and appropriate amount of time, care, and attention with each client, easy to say until financial pressures kick in and you got to take on like, I don't know, one strategist takes on like 50 clients, right? We cap, in fact, for our teams, we cap our teams and we balance the books accordingly, but we typically cap our teams at like six to eight clients per, per team, per like, you know, we like a little, little, um, SWAT teams that we organize that are organized in little pods. And we cap them that way so that they can have that attention to detail, provide that care, but and also a lot of uh, learning and development and training internally. So we that's something that I'm very, very passionate about. Um, and I see as a non-negotiable, which again, yet another area that most agency owners and most um, agency course creators, I guess, don't talk about enough. Uh, because the, the focus is on the sales side, understandably so. Interesting. So you think the way that you can ensure quality, retention, and great delivery is, is having a model where it's high price, low volume. And, and I think you can still manage mid-price, um, mid-volume, uh, and still maintain that quality for sure. Uh, it, it just comes, to the, the, the key takeaway I'm hoping for people to, to take from this is that it's not something that happens organically. You have to focus on it. You have to balance the books accordingly. You have to tweak and identify, whoa, we, we thought the benchmark was 12 clients. Now we hit 12, everyone's starting to, to suffer. And it's, it's very individualized too. some strategists and some of our pods 
they really soar at higher numbers, whereas some of them struggle. And then it, it comes down to being able to coach that pod, coach that strategies accordingly. So that's where the L&D component really kicks in. Yeah, look, I'd love to explore the L&D piece a, a little bit more because that in of itself is not easy. Um, anything like training, building out that training, like scaling out that training, making sure people are balancing their time from you know, learning and development versus actual speaking to the client versus actual execution. Like, so, so talk to me, do you have any rules in place? Like, is it one day a, a week? Like talk us through that and, and, and your system there. I'd love to hear a little more. Mm, I know you can't yeah. take us through it all, but yeah. Absolutely. Um, to be completely frank, our, I, I believe our L and D right now is still very much in the stone ages because while I was always passionate about it, I think the rest of the, it took a while for the rest of the team to like for the light bulb to hit. Right. Um, and so what I mean by very much in the stone ages is it, it's, it's still very much here's your onboarding and your onboarding for us is you go into uh, an LMS platform, you watch a few videos, you meet up with your direct report, you have a one-on-one, -on -one, they set you on your way. So we have that at least. It's not, welcome to Right Hook, this is your first day, there's your desk, that's your laptop, all right, get to work, see you later, don't ask me any questions, you fucking idiot, right? Like, at least we have this now. Um, we, we, and, and keeping in mind also, L&D then becomes, for us now, a really great employment and recruitment tool because we can say to future employees, hey, if you want a, a, to join a company that is invested in your personal growth, we're here. That's what we do. Uh, for example, we have uh, every quarter we nominate a growth club. A growth club came out of COVID. Um, and I, I was like, okay, well, it's kind of like a book club. But instead of book club, it's it might be an online course that we do together. Or it might be a book like Never Split the Difference. We had a whole season of everyone going through Never Split the Difference together. So it doesn't necessarily have to be tactically just the work that you do, but again, same thing. How do we build an organization of high, higher level thinkers with subjects that span all over the place, right? Uh, but also at the same time, train on the tactical work too. So it's a very much a fine balance. Uh, it's very much opt-in as well. So you, your direct report might be in a one-on-one -on -one with you, or your manager might be in a one-on-one -on -one with you and say, Hey, I noticed that you were uh, you're struggling in this one area. Have you thought about maybe joining this one growth club where they're talking about relationships or how to build trust with your client or anything like that? So it's almost like we have different streams that weave in and out. The ideal state for us to be able to get to is very much like GE University, where we have almost like a almost like a jujitsu gym or a CrossFit gym where this time slot, you can opt into this training if you want. This time slot, you can opt into this other training if you want. Pick and choose your own adventure where you need to level up, which means you're forced to have a certain level of self-awareness too of managing your own time, which is yours to own as, as a grown-up, as a grown-ass person. Uh, and also at the same time, having the self-awareness to say, yes, I am weak in this area. I can't wait to learn more from a more well-versed person. So very much inspired by GE. Toxic Google really inspires me as well. Like how cool would it be if we can get to a place where we can afford having someone like Simon Sinek in for a day to talk to the team, fire them up, get them thinking deep. So it's, uh, it's such a beast though. It's such a beast to wrangle my head around. I've had to go do research into neurological 
uh, sorry, neuroscience of learning, pedagogical understanding, because it's such a deep undertaking. And it's not like people are paying us for the course, we're paying them to do good work. So it's a bit of a different thing too. Very unique. Uh, it's a yeah, but I'm, I'm luckily, I'm very personally fascinated by it. Yeah, no, that's cool. Thank you for sharing. Um, so look, uh, I'm curious just around the remote piece. It sounds like Right Hook was designed kind of um, to be a, a, a digital agency that's predominantly remote. Um, so your team spread out all around the world. Uh, how do you build loyalty among your team and then like beyond just paying them well? One, by, by communicating uh, very vocally, we, we have a saying at Right Hook, repeatedly repeat yourself. Um, and, and so we, we communicate all the time across leadership to the rest of the team. We are here invested in your growth, right? Every team, we're working up towards that now. Uh, previously was a bit sporadic, but every team member has one-on-ones regularly with their, uh, with their manager or their direct report, which is uh, not a one-on-one to go, hey, tell me all the stuff that you've been doing this week. Okay, cool. Now you go away and do these other things. It's more one-on-one to go, where are you struggling with? What would you like to improve around? Uh, what did you learn in the past time since we last spoke until now? So communicating to the point where it is felt by the team that we are here and invest in your growth, number one. Uh, number two, um, just having moments, and this is a real struggle. Time zones are a real, real struggle, right? Australian time zone with American ET, horrible. Um, Asian time zone or anywhere Southeast Asia with uh American ET, even worse. So we just had to get crafty around that and quite honestly ask people um, to shift their schedules and make certain sacrifices, opt in, right? But to, to make it go that way and just doubling down and understanding, this one's a big one, but this one's a really, really big one that hit me really hard uh, midway through my journey. Understanding the difference between creating intrinsic motivators for your people versus enforcing extrinsic motivators, carrot and stick. If you don't do this, this will happen to you. If you do this, this treat will be given to you. Never works, never works. We've tried it, it didn't work. It didn't stick because the moment the teacher left the class, all the kids just ran amok because they weren't intrinsically motivated. The moment we started talking to one another at the leadership level and asking ourselves, what fires them up? Let's study those team members that voluntarily, even though they had a full deck of clients, volunteered to host the next four weeks of training. What's he doing? What's he feeling about us that we can then take and apply to other people? That changed everything in a big way. Yeah, interesting. So can you give us more examples around that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I really do think it's because of the one-on-ones and being able to sit down and listen to um, our employees and, and ask, and not me sitting down asking, you know, 115 people, but all of our leaders and in their own pockets, whoever's managing someone, anyone that manages anyone, the MO and what we encourage them to do is go at, talk to your team members and ask them, what do you really care about? Why are you here besides don't give me the, the corporate bullshit. Let's cut through that. Let's meet each other as humans for the first time after working together for a year um, because we implemented this like midstream. It wasn't like this the whole way through. So it's 
what frustrates you about me? What kind of manager asks that kind of question, right? Like, what frustrates you about me? What frustrates you about the situation that we are in? What delights you about me? What delights you about the situation that we're in, right? So, so those that becomes in and of itself a very powerful engine and motivator because first and foremost, now it's getting very clearly communicated to you. I'm talking to someone who actually gives a shit about me. And then it springs forth and now I can give a shit as much as my manager just showed me how much they give a shit. And that sometimes means I'm willing to go the extra mile without being like, eh, is there a raise for this extra mile? Or like, is this OT on the clock? Or, you know, every single thing has to go on the ledger. Um, yeah, it was a very powerful shift for us. Not to say that we don't focus on paying them well. I learned a lot of lessons out of uh, Reed Hastings' book. Reed Hastings is the CEO of Netflix. He wrote the book, No Rules Rules, very recently in the past year or two years. Uh, and, you know, he, I, I learned a lot of lessons there around paying your team well, because once you can pay them well, that stress goes out the window. Those conversations don't need to get brought up every single quarter and you can focus on the work that actually matters. So it's, and also all of our team, our entire team knows what our company financials are. Our entire team. We don't hide that. It's all in plain sight. We talk about whether we lost money, where we lost money, how we lost money and whose stupid decision it was usually uh, that caused that loss of money or the gain. And then thank you so much, all of your help. That's why we got this amount of profit this month, this amount of profit last year, right? That transparency has changed the game. And we never were like that uh, when we first started. Interesting. Well, thanks for sharing, man. Well, look, we have to work towards wrapping up, conscious of your time. Um, talk yes, to us around kind of what's exciting, what's next. What's exciting, what's next? What's exciting is we've got these service lines that are in their infancy right now, you know, uh, Email hasn't reached that the same scale as the Facebook team and the social team. The influencer team is in its infancy. In its emails in its adolescence, influencers in its infancy. Um, and, and but being able to congeal all those things together is very exciting for us as we birth each one. Uh, that's very exciting. We're working on this uh, stealth piece of software to try to figure out this whole iOS 14 thing that is very clunky at the moment. That's why it's still in stealth because it's like a, a pig with lipstick, uh, but that's going to come out soon. And the L&D thing, I'm very excited for next year because next year is when um, we're going to focus hard on L&D in a very big way. And ideally by the end of next year, Right Hook looks like a very different place, a place where you grow as a person intellectually, philosophically, uh, and possibly even emotionally. Yeah, wow, I love it. Um, so look, three more questions. We're gonna go through something called the hot seat round. Um, so really like kind of short, sharp answers. Um, Great. So if you could have dinner with any entrepreneur, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Elon Musk, because I don't believe he's human. <laughs> um, what do you believe that uh, people should be talking about when it comes to starting or growing a digital agency that nobody ever talks about? Retention and relationships. Lastly, if you could have any other job in the world, what would it be and why? Cafe waiter in Byron Bay because, man, life is simple. 
<laughs> serve coffee, surf the waves, back to surfing coffee, back to serving coffee, back to surfing the waves. They've got, they've got, they know something that we don't. I'm telling you. Yep. No, no COVID update either, right? Eh? Well, supposedly, if you don't believe in it, it's not real, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> Uh, awesome man well look uh, that was awesome thank you so much for your time being so open and honest and uh, yeah you shared a ton of gold really appreciate it I appreciate you thank you so much for the opportunity of having me hey guys I hope you enjoyed this interview as you might already know our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in-depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.